Hi, and welcome to the Digital Health Roundtable. I'm your host, Matt Sabolsky. This is a regular panel discussion held with the brightest minds in healthcare. We hold collaborative conversations devoted to those making care as accessible and as innovative as possible. Stay tuned for a special episode of the Digital Health Roundtable. Hi, and welcome to the Digital Health Roundtable. I am your host, Matt Sabolsky. I am here today with special guests. There's always special guests on my show. I got a friend here in Nashville, Christopher Northam. Hey, Christopher, say hello to the audience. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. I'm also joined by Jim Mull. Jim, say hello. Hey, good afternoon. Good to have both of you on. Really quickly, before we get the ball rolling, Christopher, tell us what you do. And then after that, Jim, tell us what you do. I lead Enterprise Telehealth at HCA Healthcare. Been here for the last eight years, stood up the service line and have continued to grow and develop these programs across the enterprise. So it's uh, it's been exciting. And I'm Jim Malt. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called BioIntelligence, which has built a uh, really a, a next generation uh, patient monitoring and clinical intelligence engine. I'm a recovering cardiothoracic surgeon. Uh, used to <laughs> do heart and, heart and lung transplants uh, for uh, entertainment, and uh, have been a serial entrepreneur. Uh, building uh, remote patient monitoring platforms uh, for the past two decades and gigs along the way at Microsoft and, uh, and Qualcomm. Well, we're, we're happy to have both of you here, Jim. It used to be the case that nursing shortages and staff shortages were short-lived. Jim, you had some thoughts on this last time we talked about uh, the last two decades. Yeah, it's, it's a favorite topic, and I'm a, a bit of a medical history buff. And, you know, you look back a uh, 100 years ago, uh, we haven't done much different uh, as it relates to healthcare. A 100 years ago, we used to have a, a clinician, usually a nurse, walking around room to room, uh, checking a, a, a small amount of information, you know, maybe once every six hours. And here we are 100 years later uh, with COVID. And, and the only thing that changed is instead of walking around room to room with a mercury thermometer, we've got a digital thermometer. And, and the, the reality is if we look around every other sector of our, our daily lives, whether it's banking or the travel industry, shopping, uh, you know, has has effectively doubled or tripled or even quadrupled in the uh, per capita human productivity. There's actually a slide that, that shows per capita human productivity has had this exponential explosion of, of, of productivity, but for healthcare and the education sector which is still wedded in a century old tradition of very, very manual, uh, highly repetitive uh, labor intensive processes. And, and that's okay when you have a whole lot of human labor, you can throw at something at a low cost. Now we're in a really difficult predicament in that number one, the, 
the growth in the the aging population with health issues is as uh, you know is doubling over over a period of these two uh, decades of baby boomers, and uh, concomitantly we have less healthcare professionals. So so the the price tag on each healthcare professional is going way up. But just to to talk about that, you know, in plain terms, it, it really doesn't make sense to 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 apply a highly trained, expensive healthcare professional to uh, rudimentary, uh, you know, highly repetitive manual tasks. So this is just begging for technology to to be applied, not to replace, but to apply uh, the ability to capture uh, patient data and to be able to, to monitor patients actually more frequently and better than we could ever hope to with, with an occasional manual check-in and, and actually deliver better care uh, at a fraction of the cost. And, and that's what we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, and there's analogs, right? Um, a lot of other industries have faced this and they've conquered it, right? Airlines and call centers, for example, the automated calls like self-service interface for the web or even the phone, tellers and banking. I mean, how often do you go to a bank anymore? How often do you deal with a person? The failure of medicine, I think, is twofold. One, longitudinally, for anyone to ever go inpatient, right? Like that, the Elysian fields of medicine tech is no one has to go inpatient, right? Second to that is not being able to deliver care to the populations that are around us with the resources we have. And, and this is what we're talking about today, filling this gap. Um, Chris, you had some th thoughts for us in our pre-call too, when we were talking about um, you know, tech filling this gap for shortages of staff of patients yeah. So, you know, I think Jim touched on some of the waste and, you know, just to pick up on what Jim was saying, I think the opportunity that this nursing shortage, it really drives change, right? It's that catalyst for driving change and it's overdue because we've misappropriately been utilizing these critical resources, nurses across our health systems to um, the detriment of the nurse and the patient when we can apply technology and, and data and really be able to provide better care, more individualized care, because we have algorithms that can assist us with ensuring that um, we're providing the care that's most appropriate for that individual instead of that generic care, right, that um, aggregated level of care. You said something great last time, Chris. You said tech is the equalizer, right? It's better care, ultimately, at better cost. In that moment of you saying that, I thought to myself, we can't just throw humans at this problem anymore. The most precious resource we have in the healing moment is a human connection. So I think something I got from both of you when we were talking about this initially was the tech doesn't necessarily replace a person. It just right. makes it more likely that a person can connect to another human being in the resources that we currently have, which are limited. Chris, do you agree that you can't throw humans at this anymore and um, that the precious 
moment of healing has to do with connecting other humans. And the tech doesn't mean that there's less humans that can touch you. It just means that the humans available are more optimally used. Absolutely. I, I think that access, really being able to create situations when the patient and the provider need to come together, that patient and the nurse as part of the care team come together and um, not having to wait as long as oftentimes we have had to wait in the past because we're, as you said, optimizing technology. What, what we're talking about here is what's called exception management. And, and again, you, you alluded to the airline industry uh, and it's a, it's a vivid example of this concept. The, the point being is, you know, 20 years ago, we all went to a travel agent or had to get on the phone to, to do a routine uh, booking of a flight. And you had to spend 20 minutes on the phone or with a travel agent and say, I need to go to Boston. I want to go on Friday. What are the flights? What are the times? Here's my credit card. It was a 20 minute exchange between the consumer and some human being on the other side. Today, none of us do that and we don't want to spend 20 minutes booking a flight because I can open the app, I can pick my flight, I can pay for it, and you know I'm done in 30 seconds to a minute. What we do need, however, is if my flight gets, if there's bad weather and I miss my connection, that's an exception. That's when I want to get on the phone with somebody and help me solve a predicament, a problem. And, and so in healthcare, what we're talking about now, you know, traditional, you know, work kind of uh, workflow in a hospital has been, you know, you wake up a hundred people every night to check their vital signs and that's so you can identify the one or two that might be having a problem and and that's not good for patient care but it also is kind of a a, a shotgun approach that's that's very inefficient and so when we talk about exception management we're now going to leverage technology to monitor those patients and then you know not have to wake them up and then you've got one dashboard that allows a, a, a healthcare professional to keep an eye on 500 patients and red, yellow, green, it'll show you which of those 500 need some specific attention. And then you can allocate that, that healthcare professional with all of their know-how and expertise to focus more time on the patients that need attention and relatively less time on the people who are perfectly fine and deserve a good night's sleep. So that, that concept <laughs> of management right. is really, really powerful. Jim, you're leading us to this place of uh, action, right? Which to do what you're talking about, which you're leading to is some assessment involved. There's some collection of information, some diagnostics involved and basically getting to treatment. And, you know, Chris, you had said something that I think the audience needs to hear, which is 
this concept between occasionally checking on someone versus ongoing and connected care. When you're looking at this problem relative to what Jim was just sharing, how does that fit into this conversation? Why do we need to know that? Yeah, well, I, and maybe we don't always need to know that, but I think that the changing mindset is if there is uh, an episodic event and I show up in Jim's office and say, hey, yesterday I had uh, you know, this event and I'm seeking my doctor's input care treatment and he says, well, let me know when that happens again um, versus <laughs> let's take a look at that. Um, and I, I do think that that's a changing mindset, right? Is being able to um, the systems at, at play uh, in terms of delivering healthcare to us and with us is really shifting that mindset and recognizing that we don't need to waste technology resources either, but we need to apply those resources in the most appropriate way that is going to be able to support providers, physicians, the care team at large, and recognize that, you know, the newest member of the care team, I think, is technology and and not technology in an obtrusive way, but in a complementary way that's going to provide greater insights to the care team that uh, is trying to help me be a better patient uh, and be better educated about how to contribute to my own health care. What about patient safety? Oh, my gosh. You know, patient safety, you know, again, the sad reality is in the hospital, you know, outside of the ICU, you know, the, the, the best care means a patient gets uh, a glance and a few measurements once every six hours. And unfortunately, in between those six hours, nobody really has a, a, an eye on the ball. Nobody is actually able to see what's happening until the potentially the patient's crashing. And then it's a fire drill and bad things happening. And so technology, again, can do a remarkable job now of being able to quietly and passively, almost invisibly, collect a set of data on a high frequency basis, what we call continuous monitoring versus episodic monitoring, which then the data generated by those uh, wearable devices, if you will, can, can run into a computer analytics engine and be able to identify earlier trends and deterioration that we were never seeing in the past. I mean, unfortunately, ignorance isn't bliss and patients are crashing all around us before our very eyes. And we're just not able to be to see it coming until it's too late. So this is a big advancement in patient safety. Uh, and conversely, it also allows us to be able to have better data to identify patients who are so stable in the past, they've been sitting in a, ho a very expensive uh, hotel room called a hospital bed uh, for no other reason but the fact <laughs> that we don't you know, have much data o over the past 24, 48 hours, except once every six hours. Now we'll be able to say, hey, you're looking so rock stable. We're gonna send you home a day sooner than we would have in the past, 
But what's cool is we're now going to send you home with this same medical grade wearable. And so we can actually monitor you and keep an eye on you at home better than we've been doing in the hospital uh, over the past century. And so this really opens the door to being able to take better care of patients wherever it's appropriate for them to be. And you will see reductions in length of stay that, that haven't been uh, possible for the past 50 years because now we're just going to have better data and, and it's, it'll be safer uh, care because of the fact that we have this better data. Chris, what yeah. about tech applications or the frequency of this monitoring? Um, what, what are your thoughts here following uh, from Jim? Yeah, and, and I, I think that Jim would likely agree with, with me in that we're right at the beginning, right? I think everything that we've been discussing today is the first horizon of this um, advancement in the way that we can better care for our patients. And, and really, I think it does come down to um, recognizing that let's do the most we can do with this capability and really start to push the limits and really, I think, start to have a better level of engagement from our patients so that they can contribute to their own care and help us figure out how we can more effectively care for uh, other patients as we gain those mm -hmm. insights, you know, identifying those trends so we, we've talked about a lot here. We've talked about data. We've talked about the frequency and accuracy of monitoring. Uh, Jim started mentioning tech applications. Talked about patient safety, uh, the difference between occasionally checking and connected ongoing care. And we've prefaced all of this in the frame of tech filling a gap for shortages of care, analogously to other industries that have done the same. Of, of course, healthcare is a little bit more complex. But at the end of this conversation, there's got to be conclusions for this problem needs a solution. Uh, you both in the pre-call had your ideas on what those solutions would be. And I want to ask you both now for what we've defined as a problem. What are the solutions in your mind? And I'll start with Christopher and then I'll move on to Jim. Uh, you know, I still think that a majority of this comes back to um, something that Jim said earlier, right, is... Um, We've been doing things in the same way for so long. Oftentimes, we need to challenge ourselves and, and others to do things differently, and not for the sake of doing them differently, but really for recognizing that there are better ways to do it where you know, we can contribute much more quickly uh, if we figure out how we can optimize these capabilities, utilize these capabilities, these advances, these medical wearables, rather than... Uh, figure out, okay, do they fit a, a scarce area that I have, a gap, or do they really elevate my ability to more effectively care for a larger population uh, on an individual basis? Yeah, and again, uh, Chris, you and I are so aligned. Uh, I think an, another vivid analog to this is, Again, going back to the airline industry, but not to to the travel and uh, booking the travel. It's it's in the cockpit of that 
of that uh, uh, jet aircraft. And, and frankly, just over 30 years ago, uh, there used to be three human beings in that cockpit, uh, pilot, co-pilot, and somebody called the flight engineer. And there used to be over 900 gauges and dials. And the three of those people, uh, highly trained professionals, were doing their best to watch all those gauges and dials to keep that, that plane from crashing and killing hundreds of people with them. And the sad reality is that that model uh, resulted in an annual tragic uh, airline crash about once every one million flights. And what happened in the late 80s and early 90s was uh, kind of a remarkable lesson for what we're about to experience in healthcare. And it was the introduction of the autopilot system. And as good as everybody thought pilots were, once the autopilot system was introduced, you now had technology watching all those sensors and gauges on behalf of the pilots and reducing it down to a simple set of information that's much more manageable for the pilots. And now there's only two people in the cockpit. And it's not to say that they've replaced the pilots, but the point being is the safety of that flight when you get on that air, airplane is now one in 25 million flights versus one in 1 million, a 25 fold improvement in, in airline safety. Now there's other things that have happened, but, but what we're about to see in healthcare is, is very uh, analogous. And, and, you know, healthcare, we, we're very proud of what, the way we've practiced medicine for the past 10, 20, 40 years. But when we make this leap into technology-enabled care or technology-enhanced care, we will look back and, and cringe at the fact that we used to send somebody home from the hospital with no monitoring uh, a good pat on the back and an appointment to follow up and see somebody in a few weeks that that will look back on and go, oh, my gosh, can you believe we used to do that? Um, so it's it, it'll take time for this this retraining of a mindset uh, and change is hard. But I think what's great about clinicians is they want in every clinician's heart of hearts to to take better care of our patients. And, you know, when a patient crashes, we all, you know, it's a sense of failure because our job is to keep them from crashing and to help them get better. And when they crash, it, you know, it's 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 one of the reasons the, the burnout has been so high amongst our, our nurses and healthcare professionals because, you know, COVID just, just put everybody uh, into that horrible, uh, you know, stress and predicament. And, and, and with technology, we will be in a better place to, to, to be much more informed and proactive keep people from crashing, keep them out of the emergency room, keep them out of the hospital. 
and there's no going back. No, there isn't going back. You know, humans are just incredible at pivoting given the, the resources around them, right? And the limitations of that or the generosity that the world might offer them and the resources given to them. And in this case, it's not uh, a generosity, it's a limitation, but there comes innovation. And Jim, you have a product that you've been working on that is an application to this problem as a solution. What is it? Tell us a little bit about it and close this uh, conversation in summary with, hey, I think I have something that can work for this problem. What is it? Well, it's it's uh, been an evolution of of uh, technology for the past twenty years, as we talked about the concept of exception management. So the the starting point is to be able to have uh, real time data, and now with the advent of of uh, you know the the wearables. Uh, uh, expansion over the past 10 years, we've developed a medical grade wearable that's the size of a coin that is able to continuously monitor uh, a, a large cadre of, of routine vital signs on a minute to minute, hour to hour basis for, for literally an entire uh, month continuously. Uh, and then it's an FDA 510K medical device. It's called the BioButton, uh, and it's small and and unnoticeable. So that's the beauty of it is the sheer simplicity, and yet it's generating this data continuously, transmitting it wirelessly. And the other key side of the equation is the what's called the Alert Watch software system, which in and of itself is also a 510k uh, FDA medical uh, analytics engine that can watch all the data generated by each of these bio buttons and reduce it down to uh, a dashboard and red, yellow, green, which patient needs attention versus which patients are doing fine. And this allows for a, a ridiculously new scalable approach to, to patient monitoring where one clinician can literally monitor more effectively hundreds of patients uh, per clinician and do that whether they're in the hospital or at home. Well, I'll certainly be interested in watching uh, these products with biointelligence, how they're applied, how successful they end up being, and where you take this. If you want to share, and I will remove this from the show if you don't, where do you want to, what's your vision for your product when it comes to the application here, Jim? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there is no reason this cannot and should not be what we call ubiquitous. This will become a part of the fabric of care. Uh, because, you know, from a patient safety point of view, would you rather have someone checking on your loved one once every six or eight hours, or would it be more preferential to have something that's watching your loved one minute to minute, hour to hour throughout the day? And if there's a problem building, 
somebody will know about it. So that that ubiquity, as we talked about, there's no going back. And when you go home from the hospital, same thing. What family is going to say, yeah, we don't want anybody monitoring dad after his heart surgery. We'll we'll take it from here. And and, uh, you know, if something bad happens, it's all our fault. Um, You know, that's that's just, you know, just out of the question. So you're talking about, uh, you know, being able to improve the, the workforce efficiency and and improve patient care, shorten length of stay, uh, identify early deterioration, keep people from being readmitted to the hospital after they go home, and keep them out of the ER. Uh, this is inevitable, and uh, we're hoping to help uh, uh, make this possible. Uh, there'll, there'll be others uh, who, who are offering similar things over, over the coming years, but you know, this is irreversible. This has been the Digital Health Roundtable. I'm Matt Sabolsky. Join us next time for another episode. Follow us on Substack and subscribe. We'll see you soon.